driving. And all of a sudden you kind of look to the right because you've seen something amazing or you just see a dead animal on the side road and you're thinking about turning around to go get it. Am I the only one that's ever done that? I've done it one time where I picked up a raccoon. It was freshly hit. I wanted to skin it, got it, right? But you ever lose the focus and all of a sudden you find yourself swerving that way a little bit, right? Because whatever we focus on is where we end up. It's like on when you type in on a GPS or on um, a Garmin, I guess those are old now, but on your phones like in Maps, you put in a location, right? And that's where you end up. And that's the same with our lives. Wherever our focus is on, day-to-day, uh, uh, weeks, months, that's where we're going to end up. So I think sometimes we stop looking at the mission and we shift our focus to ourselves. We start to focus on what's in the walls and we stop looking beyond the walls. See, God has called us to keep taking more ground for him. But a lot of times we get focused on what's already what we've already taken, that we're comfortable. I go to church, uh, I help out with this, I'm on the worship team, this is this is where I'm this is convenient, this is where I'm at. I'm you know, I've you know, I'm I'm playing the guitar. I don't have to do any more than that. I'm already serving. And I, you know, kind of focus on what I'm doing now rather than looking at what God wants to continue to do. And I think that's as Christians, we're, we're constantly like that. We're looking, we're not looking at what God's continually wanting to do, but we get satisfied what he's already done in our lives. Um, it's kind of, uh, I went down to Indiana uh, just this past weekend. And if you guys don't know this, in Indiana, there's no snow right now. Like just past Grand Rapids, there's no snow down. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's like a whole different state down in Michigan. But I love the snow. I don't know about you guys. I love to snow snowboard. I love to ride snowmobiles in it. If you do stuff in it, it's fun, right? Does anybody hate the snow? All right, go to Indiana. No, I'm just joking. But uh, like I'm on my way down, right? I'm thinking, you know, I love Michigan. I love up here. And then as I get down where there is no snow, I found myself like, man, maybe I don't like the snow. Like further down, it's like, man, there's I can drive as fast as I want. I can I can get to places faster. And, and I think once again, I know it's like three analogies on top of each other, but I just want to drive that that point home that a lot of times we get comfortable where we're at, and we don't look beyond. We don't continue to travel travel where God's wanting to take us. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, we as Christians, we are called to make a movement of God happen. We are called to reach more. We are called to be a beacon of hope beyond the, the borders that we are in right now. We are called to do more. We as Christians live, I think, defeated lives too much because we focus on our fears and failures rather than looking at who we are in Christ. I think as Christians, we look at our failures, our glitches, our mistakes, rather than looking at who we are in Christ. We, we look at ourselves the way we see ourselves or how people might see ourselves, but we don't look at ourselves how God sees us. And that's that's what we need to do, especially if we want to go beyond law. See, to go beyond your borders, you have to see beyond yourselves. See, a lot of times we don't take more land for God. Because we're like, I don't have the capacity or the capability to do that. Let's say God's calling someone to, let's say, on the worship team, right? 
uh, within the church, right? But you're like, I've never played guitar before. And all of a sudden that, that stops you from pursuing what God's calling you to do. So to go beyond our borders, we have to go beyond ourselves. See, Jesus calls us to be a witness, not just to try being a witness. He's called us to be a witness. Um, see, and it starts with, in that scripture, it's Acts chapter 1, it says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem. See, what is your Jerusalem? Is it, it, it and I believe it's, for you guys, it's your families. It starts with your families. Who, who's the people you have influenced right now? And then it goes on after that, it says, go on into Judea and Samaria. Maybe your works. You know, going pushing that border, pushing that boundary into your work, saying, you know, I'm taking my family first for God, I'm taking my workplace for God, and I'm going to keep pushing and take my C- CEO if you're in a big company for God. Um, and then it continues to say to take the world. See, a lot of times I think we just say, you know what, I'm going to stop here at Cornerstone. That is it. But he says to take the nations. And uh, we need to stop giving excuses and start stepping into purpose. Turn to neighbor and be like, you need to stop giving excuses. Uh, there we go. Say, say to your neighbor, say, stop giving excuses and step into purpose. See, I think the morning service, Pastor Neil, was way more awake than the second service. Those guys were shouting at me. I'm like, geez, calm down. <laughs> Um, so I believe what our biggest excuse is sometimes is what if this happens? Okay, God tell me to take this ground, but what if I? What if I'm not capable? Or what if? Right? See, what would happen if you stopped living what you hate about yourself or how you see yourself and start living by what God loves about you and how He sees you? Think about how that would impact you taking land for God. If you stopped living by what you hate about yourself. And start living by how God sees you and what he loves about you. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 24, it says, From when, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you, Jesus. Turned to Peter and said, get away from me, saying, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, followers, you must give up your Give up your own way and take up the cross and follow me. See, Satan tried to magnify the negative of the mission. Like Jesus had a mission, right? But the negative of it was going to the cross. And Satan tried to magnify the negative of it. See, Satan tries to magnify the negative of the mission, but Jesus was looking at his purpose and how God seen him and got the job done. I believe that is with us as Christians. We need to stop looking at the negative, our focus should be on the mission and not what's wrong with me, but what mission that God has given me. Just like Jesus. Jesus was our example in that. He, he wasn't looking at, yeah, I'm going to die. But he was looking at, you know what, the, what's, this, the outcome of me dying is far outweighs me going through that pain. So when we start talking about the borders in our lives, we need to look at each border, how God sees them, and look at them through the lens of the mission that God has given us. And that's when we'll take the focus off of us 
and put it on the mission. So the first border is the uh, is border of convenience. Like sometimes we don't go beyond the border, press the border because we're stuck in convenience. See, we need to go beyond the border of convenience and stop stopping at our the culture of norm because it's convenient. Like the normal, you know, stopping at the if culture says, you know what, here's the line. As Christians, it seems like we've stopped there, right? And we need to step past that and keep pressing, taking more land. Like, for example, a big one is culture says, you know what? Bible is not allowed in the schools. Well, as Christians, we need to take that territory and keep pushing that boundary and say, you know what? You know, it's, the Bible is where the schools, the Bible is where the, uh, it should be in the schools. See, going beyond convenience is going beyond comfort. A heart for the loss is found beyond comfort. And beyond comfort, we find mission or co-mission. Um, John chapter 15, verse 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. See, here's my challenge to you. If you find yourself in a, in a place, like you're like, I don't know if I'm, you know, in... If I'm just being comfort or if I'm pressing on the boundaries, this is this is my challenge to you. Ask yourself, am I being is am I getting attacked? Like am I, as I'm trying to take ground, am I being attacked? If not, if you're not coming against resistance, then I'm going to challenge that you're staying behind the borders in, com, in complacency because it's convenient. So kind of just personally evaluate yourself. It, am I maybe in schools or jobs? Am I not being attacked for my faith? If you're not, then I then you're not you're not pressing the borders into the your work or schools or maybe it's your families. If if it's always see, God said it's easy for the world to like you. You just don't have to do anything. Like I think Pastor Brennan mentioned it last week. Satan doesn't mind you coming to church and believing in God and worshiping here. It's he minds it when you take it out of these four walls and you start pushing that boundary into your families, pushing that boundary into your work and schools. That's when he minds. Um, but we also need to move, in order to do that, we need to move from sympathy to compassion. See, sympathy identifies with the problem, which is convenience. But compassion gets up, looks up, and says, I need to do something about it. For example, how many of you guys have heard of, like, heard the hurricanes that hit? Raise your hand and keep your hands raised. If you heard about the hurricanes that hit Florida, um, you know, just different areas. Now, keep your hands up if you did something about it. Like if you, you however that looks, if you did something about it. So here's the thing. So from sympathy, sympathy says, yeah, okay, I heard about it. I feel bad about it. Compassion says, I did something about it. I prayed about it. And then I'm challenging you guys to go, go beyond that. For us to go into, really to walk into compassion, if your border has been prayer, then push it further. And how, how much, what can I do now? I've always, I've always prayed for a situation, but how can I really move God into that situation? How can I really take... If, if, if it's taking the Bible, let's say, into school, that's like been my big thing is taking a Bible study and getting some schools assemblies into the schools this past year. And like it's been convenient just to do youth group on Thursdays and have the youth do it, right? But I've really been challenged this year by God to take, the, take him into the schools, like me physically walking into and taking um, the Bible in there in some ways. And I could have stayed in convenience. I could have felt sympathy for it. Like I know the Bible needs to be there and just prayed about it. But I chose to step out of my convenience, step out of my comfort zone, and press in. And I believe that God's saying the same thing as to you guys. You guys, whatever you're convenient, maybe you've you've pushed the border far, 
But God's saying, don't stop pushing that border even further. Don't just get com- complacent or, com- or live in, com- um, in um, convenience where you're at right now, but keep taking ground for him. Yeah. See, Jesus was never quoted for having sympathy. Jesus was quoted for having compassion. It's because love does. Jesus was our perfect model in displaying love does. Love isn't convenient. Love isn't comfortable. Love isn't carefree. It's gonna, it hurts. Like when to do something, you're going to be faced with resistance. But it's right, that means you're pressing on. You're taking more ground for God. So um, what are you building your lives with because in order to move from sympathy to compassion we need to build our lives on the love of Christ so if you find yourself in a stuck in a place of sympathy and you're like how can I bridge that gap to compassion to where I'm moving we're going to 1st Corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 through 15 1st Corinthians chapter 3 10 through 15 it says by the grace of God has given me. I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it burns up, the builder will suffer and lose, but yet will be saved, even though even though only as one escaping through the flames. See, in the beginning of that, it says, no one can lay a foundation which has already been laid, which is talking about Christ Jesus. I didn't even give this, now that I was thinking about it, I didn't give this to first over, so you guys are getting lucky right now. That he's, What he's saying is, in order to move from sympathy to compassion, you need to have a relationship with Christ. If you're struggling with that, if you're if you're not in the Word daily, if you're not if you're not worshiping and meaning living a surrendered lifestyle in obedience to Him, then it's going to be hard when all of a sudden God says, "Okay, Aaron, I want you to go pray for Dennis." Aaron's going to be like, "Uh, I'm I'm not going to. I'm not, you know." But if you had a true relationship with God. All of a sudden, because of all that relationship with God, he's going to move into compassion. He won't just feel bad for Dennis. Like, um, if you don't mind, Dennis, uh, when he got in an accident, right? Or not an accident, when, you know, he hurt your leg. Uh, Aaron could have, I'm not saying he didn't, I don't know what he did. I'm just using his illustration. So instead of just, you know, feeling bad for him, out of that true relationship with God, out, out of compassion, Aaron would have moved for towards prayer or towards how can I help you, Dennis, in this. And that's what I believe. I think um, God is trying to take us from sympathy to compassion because, like I said before, Jesus wasn't quoted for being simp- to have sympathy towards someone, but he's quoted because of uh, he moved out of compassion. So the second um, uh, thing that I think keeps us behind the border, so first one being convenience, because it's com- more convenient to stay right where I'm at. And the second one being fear. See, and here's the thing, too, is this point isn't so much about your fear as it, it is what you choose to do with your fear. Um, we can't go beyond our convenience or our borders if we live in fear. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear ch- children. You have 
already won the victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. So it's saying he who is in you is greater than anything that you might face. So that fear, if we're looking at that through the lens of God, then we're seeing that, you know what, the God that's in me is greater and bigger than the fears that I might uh, face. Imagine how much different your life would be if you walked into a situation and saw it how God sees it. Imagine whatever that might be in sickness, maybe it's a financial problem, maybe it's your family and they're just, you know, they're, they're not where they should be for God. Imagine if you walked into that situation and said, you know, like, the God that's in me is bigger than the God of this world, and I'm going to see the situation how God sees it. I'm not going to see it by how I see it, but I'm going to make the reality of what it is line up with the facts of the Word of God. See, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear, it seems like. Like the and the prom- it seems like the promises that God has for you always seems to be on the other side of fear. Um, if you guys would, Numbers chapter thirteen. Verse twenty five through thirty three. Trying to get as much as I can in. It's already almost one o'clock if you guys didn't know that. Time's flying. Time is flying. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 through 33. I guess as I'm reading this, if I can have the worship team come on up. I know you guys like, already? It's been like 20 minutes almost. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, it says, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron. And the whole community of Israel at Kadash in the wilderness of Paran, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live there, the Negev, and the Hivites, and Jezebelites, and and all the otherites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it, but the other men who explored uh, the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are strong. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored the that we explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. See, the ten spies were focused on the problem. See, they explored the promised land. God had promised this land to them. And and Moses was like, okay, I'm going to send 12 of you. And they're exploring for 40 days. And 10 of them, all they could see with the land was the problems that they were going to have to face. They weren't looking at the promises, but they were looking at the problems. See, Jacob and Joshua, or Joshua and Caleb tried to quiet them down and be like, guys, you need to stop looking at the problems and start looking at the promises that God has promised us. See, are you looking at how big a problem is or how big God is when you're facing these situations or fears? Are you looking at how big the problem is? When you go to push that border back, are you looking at, okay, this and this is, uh, I don't know if I should push the border back. Or are you looking at that God already promised me this area. I'm going to take it for God. 
See, when we, when our focus is on the problem, we give place to fear. When our focus is on the problem, we give place to fear. But when our focus is on the promise, the God, on God's word, it gives place to faith. So if you want to take land for God and you want, you're like, man, I just struggle with faith, then you need to hold on to the promises of God and stop, stop looking at the problem of the situation. See, a fearful life isn't a fear problem. It's a faith-based problem. If you're living in fear, it's not because you're, you have a fear problem. It's because you have a faith problem. It's because you don't have faith enough to say, you know what, my God can move this mountain. My God can take this giant. Because faith says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Faith says I can take my school. Faith says I can take my brother for God. Faith says I can take my child for God. Faith says I can take this nation for God. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3, it says, I'm not even going to read it, actually. I'm just going to give you a little tip. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope so for. So in other words, faith calls things that we cannot see, meaning that faith says put on the lens of God and look at the situation how God sees it and then claim it. Push that boundary. If God says, you know what, I want you to take all the way to the back door, then you keep pushing. Don't look at the problem. Look at the promise. Don't look at the problems. Look at the promise and keep pushing towards what God has promised you. Second Timothy verse 1 through 7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. See, God has given us the power to take that land. We already read scripture. It says we have already won the victory. So we don't fight for victory, but we fight from victory. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you guys with. And it's in Joshua chapter 1. We're starting verse 2 to 3. And we'll read 6 through 8. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you that I pr- I'll promise you what I promised Moses. Whatever you set your foot on, you will be on the land that I've given you. Check that out. He didn't say you're going to set your foot on land that I'm gonna, you're going to conquer and you're going you're to take back. He's saying it's already yours. I believe that's the promise that God has for us too. But when we start to push that board, it's not like we're taking new ground. It's already ours. We're taking ground that God has already given us. Check out what happens though in verse 6 and 8. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you. So God's saying, all you got to do in order to take land is to study my promises. Study the words so that you can declare it and start pushing that boundary for him. See, as, they, as Israel started pushing that boundary in chapter 3, all of a sudden they're pushing the boundary, they're stepping into the promised land, and they face their first problem. The Jordan River. You guys remember that story? Jordan River, they're like, oh man, what do we do? They went to God and they looked at God's promise. God said he gave them the solution. They they, uh, pretty much parted it and kept on going. They didn't look at the problem, but they looked at the promise of God. The next thing they faced was the walls of Jericho. They didn't look at the problem, but they looked at God and stood on God's promises and the walls of Jericho fell down. And they they started, every problem they faced, they held on to the promises of God. 
So if I can everybody's eyes closed, actually I'll have everybody stand up. Eyes closed, heads bowed, standing up. We're going to do the altar ministry a little bit different today. If, you, if, you, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to take more ground for God. I want to push back that boundary. I don't want to stay in a place of complacency or where I'm convenient. I don't want to allow fear to dictate what God's doing through my life. And you want more God. You're like, you know, I'm, I want to take more ground for God. If that's you, everybody's eyes closed and about to raise your hand. If you want to take more ground for God, you don't have to. But if you're, if you're finding in complacency, that's fine. But if you want to go and take more ground for God, raise your hand. If your hands are raised, this is what I'm going to do. I know it's going to be inconvenient, but I'm going to have you come up front. If you raised your hand, everyone that raised their hand, come up front to the altar, which means the place of change where change happens. Because I believe today, um, in this moment, when we're about to go into a time of worship again, that through worship, certain things are going to break off to where when you leave here today, that you're going to be able to push back that boundary. Because it's always, you know, you always, sometimes you hear a good message, you come up to the altar, you get prayed for, you feel God move, but then you walk out these four doors and nothing happens. So today, I feel like God's going to have you do something that's inconvenient, uncomfortable. You might be afraid, but he's going to say, you know what, are you going to stand on the promises? Are you going to trust me? See, and he's going to have you do something during worship that you are not comfortable with. Maybe for some of you, it might be lifting your hands for the first time. Maybe for some of you, it might be bowing down. Maybe for some of you, it might be uh, uh, waving the flags. Maybe God might say, run around the sanctuary. However, see, if you just raise your hand and say, you know what, God, you're turning my life, that's not worship. Worship is, worship is living a lifestyle of obedience. It can be. If you're being obedient to God, I believe that God's going to tell each one of you guys specifically in this moment to do something that's uncomfortable. And it's and but what determines if you're worshiping and if you say that, you know, I'm going to be obedient in this moment and allow my life to line up with his word. Dear Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to enter into true worship, Father. That we're going to from this moment, we're going, to, we're going to start breaking things off, Lord, that's going to keep us from when we leave this place to push that boundary for you, Lord, to push you into our schools, push you into our families, push you into our wounds, Lord, pushing you into our everyday moment of our lives, Father. I thank you, Lord, that in Matthew it talks about how praise is the father of breakthrough, Lord. So thank you, Lord, that we're going to have true breakthrough in this moment of worship right now, Father. And thank you, Lord, that you're challenging us right now, Lord. That, and we're willing enough to seek out your face, Lord, and be obedient to whatever you tell us to do in this moment, Lord, to show you that we know we mean business. We want to we want to keep pushing the boundaries for you, Lord. In your mighty name. If you guys have any specific prayer, Pastor Neil will be up here. I'll give him the mic. But I challenge you. Maybe maybe the thing is, um, usually you're after the message prayer and you leave right away. Maybe God's challenging you to stay here and really press in. So.